Welcome to the Endless Road Podcast, a series of conversations with Scott Sherrard, the musical director and lead guitarist of the Greg Allman Band. In the months since Greg's passing in late May, Scott has been a part of a few onstage tributes to his mentor and friend. Along with those appearances, Scott has also been a part of the promotional effort supporting Greg's final studio album, Southern Blood. As most of you guys know, that album was released on September 8th. The initial promotional tour for Southern Blood made a stop in Macon on September 9th. The event in Macon was held at the Allman Brothers Big House Museum, which served as home base for the Allman Brothers Band from 1969 through 1973. For those of you who don't know, the Big House Museum is filled with memorabilia and special displays, including Dwayne Allman's 1957 Les Paul Gold Top Guitar, which Dwayne used on Eric Clapton's Layla album and the first two Allman Brothers albums. In fact, what you're hearing right now is Scott playing the gold top from the Big House stage during the event promoting Southern Blood. And as we caught up with Scott in the Casbah room of the Big House, the gold top was one of the first subjects to come up. You know, I'd always heard about the gold top Les Paul that's kept here. Dwayne Allman's uh, first Les Paul, the one he used it on the first two Allman Brothers records. We talked about this last time I saw you, and, on, and he used it on portions of the Layla album and stuff. And, some session work outside of the Allman Brothers. It's a really extraordinary guitar, and of course I used it on my record, as you know. But the first time I played it was that during the first visit I had to Macon. And that's the thing I remember the most about coming here, was coming here and seeing it and like getting my hands on it, playing it in this room, actually, for the first time, mm-hmm. and realizing how magical it was. And, you know, Greg had sort of developed a thing where I had heard that he didn't like people playing his brother's guitar. So... I was very skittish about asking anybody about it, but I went to, to Chank, who's here today, gave me a ride here. His best friend, you know, for his whole career and sort of his, you know, really, he functioned sort of as his assistant through his career as well. So Chank was always with us on the road. So I asked Chank, and he lives here in Macon to this day. So I asked Chank, I said, man, I really want to play this guitar, but I know how Greg feels about other people playing. Do you think it's okay? And he said, look, man, he goes, I was friends with Dwayne before I was friends with Greg and I want you to be able to play this guitar whenever you want. And I said, all right, well, if you're comfortable talking to him about it, he's like, of course I'll talk to him about it. So he spoke with Greg and basically told him, Scott can play the guitar anytime he wants. God bless Chank, he got me through that hump. You know, I remember the first, the night after I'd played it for the first time in this room, it was brought Richard Brent, who ferries the guitar across the River Styx on a daily basis. You know, he's kind of like a, like a medieval guardian of, of the uh, you know the sword of the round table, he comes in with the guitar to the venue to sound check, and he has to be near it all the time and everything. And I was really nervous holding it at first in the work environment, and then he brought it up on stage, gave it to me that night at the gig, and I remember Greg turning and sort of looking, and he kind of looked at it, and he was like, and then we played the set, and after the gig, he was like, man, that guitar sounds good, doesn't it? You know, and that was, and that, that was all we really ever said about it. Like, I just, and I said, thank you for, you know, allowing me to play it. And then we'd bring it out every time I'd come play here. Yeah. You know, and also in Atlanta, it was brought to, I think, a show one time when I played it. But every time we played Make It, so coming to Make It, for me, it was all about, you know, obviously experiencing the big house, going to Dwayne's grave and H&H and kind of paying respects to the lineage of the origins of the band. But playing the guitar is, that for me was just like an unbelievable experience. The last time you were here was certainly to say goodbye to Greg. There's been a lot that's happened over the last few months. So what has that experience been like for you? Because I know there's certainly been 
a whole lot of focus on Greg as there should be in his life. And I started thinking about you, particularly when I was at the Peach and I saw you play you know, Midnight Rider, doing Win, Lose, or Draw and adding that to your set. So what has the last few months, and you knew the day was coming, unfortunately, but to be without your friend and mentor, what have the last few months been like for you? I was aware of his terminal diagnosis for the last three years of his life. Uh, he had known for a time before, I don't know how long before that, but he had known for a while before that as well. Different doctors would come in and out of the picture. They did their best, but their predictions would also kind of change as his complications changed and things. So it was always like a race to the finish. But I was one of a circle of inner people who knew that the finish was coming. And I honestly think he wanted me to know because... I was his songwriting partner at the end, and we had a number of things we were working on, but the song we ended up on, My Only True Friend, he basically, when he confessed his illness to me, that was the moment where he started changing the song to his goodbye letter. The record I was working on when we got to meet in Muscle Shoals, that was supposed to come out this fall. But then when we knew he was gonna pass away, which was a few months before he actually did, we started to rethink everything. And then it became, well, let's get behind Southern Blood. And I felt like it's the right thing to do because my song, Love Like Kerosene, is on the record. I wrote True Friend with Greg, which is, you know, his final original on one of his own albums. There's another original that he and I wrote that has not been recorded yet. So I'm probably going to use that as a bonus track on my record now. And we're pushing my record, Saving Grace, to next year, probably next spring. And I'm putting all my energy behind Southern Blood. And also, we're doing a couple really special tribute concerts. One has been announced, the one in October in Atlanta for the Laid Back Fest. We're, get, we're reconstituting the Greg Allman Band for the first time since he passed away, and it will actually be almost a year to the day that the last Greg Allman Band show was performed with Greg. That's coming up in October. So the remainder of 2017 is all about celebrating Greg, his legacy, and then as far as I'm concerned, as my work as a performer, singer, songwriter, guitarist, band leaders, that I'm trying to also try the best I can to embody the lessons he taught me and try myself to come out as much as I can and use the memory of my work with him and what he taught me as a source of strength to be as good as I can be. That's all I can hope for. Really, 2017 is about learning to let Greg go, which is very hard. There was a piece of jewelry he gave me. It was a fleur-de-lis with a little diamond in it, and I lost it a week ago. I thought if I ever lose this thing, I'm going to be broken up, but it was quite the opposite. It was almost like he took it from me. He's like, look, stop wearing the Florida Lee. Get on with it. Mm -hmm. The music is what I left behind. That's what I really feel from that because I feel a strong spiritual connection to him, both as a human being and as a musician. I hope that that comes through not only me, but also the members of the Greg Allman Band when we play together, when we play with anyone else, because the most important thing is for the music to carry on, because that's what he wanted. That's why he worked all the way up until he could literally not anymore. You're listening to the Endless Road Podcast, and we pick up our conversation with Scott Sherrard by asking him about the solo acoustic performance that he staged in a New York club shortly after Greg's passing. That special show, held before an intimate crowd, featured Scott performing some of Greg's classic songs and cuts from Southern Blood. In between the songs, Scott shared some stories about his time with Greg. Here's what Scott had to say about that show. I read on your Facebook post right before you did the a piece in New York that was filmed by Red Hawk. Your thought process going into that, the experience of doing that, and you know, what are people going to see and make in, when you come back in October? Performing that concert, you know, right after Greg's burial was fucking brutal. 
It was fucking brutal. I mean, I barely made it through that show. And I was talking and telling stories, and it was 60 people crammed into Rockwood Music Hall Stage 3, which is this tiny room downstairs at the Rockwood Complex. That's sort of our New York City venue of choice for my band. Me, my 1940s Martin that my dad gave to me, which was the first guitar I learned to play on. It was really hard. It was filmed in like multi-camera HD by our friend Scott Rosenbaum, who of course did the Sidemen documentary about Hubert Someone and Pine Top and Willie Big Eye Smith, who were also mentors of mine when I was a teenager to a certain extent, part of the you know Midwest blues scene in the 90s. The event in Macon that we're gonna do on October 12th, I think it is, at the Cox Capitol, they're gonna screen that concert as they filmed it. And then my band's being brought down from New York. We're going to perform right after. And Richard Brent from the Big House Museum is going to bring Dwayne's Marshall Plexi amp and his gold top. I'm going to merge them again okay. and do a whole set. We're going to have a lot of guests come down. I think Lamar Williams is going to come. Oh, good. Seeing LaBrayers. They're like, great, huh? It's like seeing Marvin Gaye sing the Alban Brothers stuff. Yeah, Lamar that, is soulful, yeah. oh, man. Oh, my God. It was just... Uh, his voice is like butter. After you did that, did the New York performance, was it cathartic in a way? Um, yeah, I mean, I basically, I was telling you about the the Tim Buckley song, mm-hmm. Once I Was, that's on Southern Blood. Man, I, I'm going to do it tonight, too, but I, I, it's so fucking hard to do. I put it on as the last song of the set. Thank God my wife was there. We got a babysitter, so I was like, I, I need you at this thing, because she's the best, man. I mean, I've, I've been with her for 17 years, and Greg really loved her, man. I got to the end of it and I went backstage and I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, man. I fucking, I fucking cried a puddle of tears backstage after that set. I just barely made it through the end of that song. You'll see it when you see the film. I've run off the stage. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Endless Road Podcast. Be sure to check out all the segments that are available for the Endless Road Podcast series with Scott Sherrard. To stay up to date with the Endless Road Podcast series and the latest news on Scott, please visit scottsherrard.com. In addition to news and information, this website lists the upcoming tour schedule and ticket info for Scott and the Brickyard Band. Check it out. Visit scottsherrard.com today. Yeah.